God's Word is alive and powerful. Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chapel challenges us with principles from the Scripture that will deepen our faith. God says, I don't want you to live the normal life where you just plan A, plan B, and everything works out. I want you to learn how to trust me. I want you to have the more that only I can give. I want you to look back on your life someday and say, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And I don't know all about how it happened. I just know that God got in the middle of it. God's Word was written to produce transformation in our lives. As we respond in obedience, it will radically change the way we live. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. Our message today is designed to challenge and stretch you spiritually. No matter where you are in your Christian journey, God wants you to discover the peace, faith, strength, and joy that only He can give. We trust you'll be blessed as you apply these biblical truths to your daily life. And now, here's Pastor Paul Chappell with part two of a message called, Made to Be More. I believe every young person growing up in this church ought to thank God that they're living in a church and growing up in a church where they can have a Christian worldview. But I want to say that even a young person who's not called to the ministry, maybe they're going to pursue another field. Still, they should have a heart to live for the more. And they should recognize that in whatever career and in whatever calling, that they should be a faithful servant of Christ, faithful to the Word of God, faithful to the local church, not living for the mundane, not living for the cultural, but living for the calling, living for the more in God. C.T. Studd was a gifted uh, gifted star uh, in the athletics in England. He was a cricket star, and he was also a man that had many business opportunities. But God began to work on his heart, and God called him to be a missionary. C.T. Studd said, some men wish to live their lives within the, cha- within the hearing of the chapel bell. I want to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. C.T. Studd went to Africa and won many, many, many people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I suppose there would have been some who said why he wasted his life, why he could have done such and so, but he just went off and he just went to the the mission field and and just kind of wasted his life over there in Africa. But I believe the moment he saw Jesus Christ and the moment he sees those that were saved during his ministry, he will know that his life was not a wasted life. Ed McCulley was a gifted college student. He had football scholarships and track scholarships. He was entered into a collegiate speech contest in which over 10,000 students were involved. He won first prize for his giftedness. He was offered various scholarships and various opportunities in business. But Ed McCauley was friends with a man named Jim Elliott. And the two of them, along with three other friends, were praying for the Alka Indians in South America. These Indians were a head-hunting tribe who had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had never seen a Bible. They had never seen a white man. They had never heard ever about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these men began to pray. Some of you know the story. They went to South America to the Alka Indians. On their first trip in to give the gospel, they were speared to death. Their heads were taken and they were eaten by the cannibalistic tribe. Nevertheless, their wives, in order to continue the work of their husbands, just a few years later, went back to the same tribe's men and by the grace of God were able to lead those very men to Christ who had killed their husbands. And this morning as I stand here and preach to you in South America, 
America, there are thousands of people in these same villages who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. You see, some would say, what a waste. They could have had everything the culture would have offered them. They could have had all the finery of this culture. And yet these men said, but we must live for more. Every Christian must have this desire to live for more. Though you may have a different career, yet your heart should be, God, I want to live for the more. Notice what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Notice that word. Vocation wherewith ye are called. The apostle Paul is not speaking there about your job. He is speaking about your calling as a Christian. And he says wherever you go to do your work you are called of God to be the ambassador in that place. I have a select purpose for you. I don't want you to blend in with the cultural norm. I want you to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only does he have a selected purpose for us, but I want you to notice also he has a separated purpose for us. You see, when he sanctified Jeremiah, he was calling him out. He was separating him from the culture of his day. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6 and 17, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You see, part and parcel with being a Christian is recognizing that we have been called to a life of separation. That God, when He calls us, sets us apart. And that He does not want us to blend in with this culture, but to stand out and to be the salt and light in this day. So many people today want to have one foot in the world and one foot with the Lord. And they want the more that the world gives, which is really less, and they want the more of God at the same time. But God says, I want you to come out from the world and I want you to be separate. And so we see throughout the ages that there have been those who have a little bit of Jesus and they have professedly uh, the world also. But I want you to recognize that's not God's will. The Bible is very clear. You cannot be friends with God and mammon. The Bible is very clear that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Many of the famous pop stars of the past, so many I have not time to name them. But they have started off in church. I think of Whitney Houston who grew up singing the hymns and singing in the choirs and singing for Jesus Christ. But somewhere along the line she wanted more of what the world could give. And she got it. And she got their fame. And she got their trophies. And she got their drugs. And she had her suicide in a bathtub in Hollywood because she got more of the world which is always less. Teenagers today let me remind you that you want more of Jesus not more of the world. And may I say parents God help us. Oh it's wonderful if your children love ballerina or basketball or football, but don't push them so hard to the things of the world that they think that's what really matters. Remind them that what really matters is living for Jesus Christ. And oh, we must recognize today that the world has a pull. But God says, I don't want you to blend in with the culture. I think of Carrie, uh, Katy Perry, who grew up in a pastor's home. And uh, she was taught John 3.16 at an early age. Now she's left it all to become a rock star. And she said recently, I don't believe in heaven or hell or an old man sitting up on a throne. I'm not a Christian. I don't know if she ever was a Christian. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you think you can have one foot in the world and one foot with God, it will not be long until you're all the way in the world. The Bible says, come out and be ye separate. You see, most teens in America today uh, may not see themselves heading that path. 
but we must warn them of that direction. And so God says, I want you to separate from a culture that is a very rebellious culture. Jeremiah 5, 23, but this people hath a revolting and rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. You see, Jeremiah was born during the reign of Manasseh. Manasseh was a wicked king who set up what are called groves in Israel. The groves were the idol uh, holding areas where the idols of Baal would be kept. And you would walk through these areas called groves and you would worship these idols. And it was a tremendous tragedy spiritually for Israel. And Jeremiah called out against it. Jeremiah rose up and spoke against it. Oh, we're living in a day when our country is filled with idolatry and sin. And yet God is saying, I've got something more for my people than this. Then he says he wants us to be separate from a culture that is without repentance. From a culture that is without repentance. Notice in your notes, Jeremiah 3 and 10. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but feignedly saith the Lord. Now God is not interested in lip service. We hear many politicians who say they believe in God and the Bible, who never darken the door of a church, who live ungodly lives, who lie at will. And I want you to recognize today that God wants us in this nation and in our lives to have real repentance where we do business with God. He wants us, according to Jeremiah 3 and 10, with our whole heart to turn to the Lord. You recognize today that we live in a culture of hate and we live in a culture of envy, and we live in a culture of wicked sin. And may I remind you that the need is not another march down Main Street, and the need is not another uh, profanity-filled uh, 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 interview on, on primetime television, and the need is not another politician. The great need of the hour is for this nation to repent of sin and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, how we must turn. I'm telling you, we live in a wicked nation today. And it is time that we rise above the culture and that we ask God for more in our everyday lives. And a part of that will involve a repentant heart toward sin. A little boy was in trouble with his mother and his mother sat him down on a chair. And, and she said, now, Johnny, you sit there. You've been bad. And, and Johnny fussed and fussed and wiggled and wiggled and and tried to get up and his mom sat him back down again and he looked at his mother he said well I may be sitting down on the outside but on the inside I'm standing up and there's a lot of people that come to church like that they're sitting down on the outside but on the inside they're standing up to their own will and for their own way God says I'm looking for people that want to go more than just the cultural secondly he says I want to call you to more than just the normal more than just the normal now, there is a human tendency to go with the flow, to be a normal guy, not to rock the boat, to be a self-sufficient person. And listen to me very carefully. In one sense, it is honorable to be self-sufficient. And, and many times parents think this way. I, I want my child to have this class and this scholarship and this college and this job and make this much money. And then finally, they'll be raised. And sometimes we think this way, I, I want to work this long and make this much money and get this much in retirement. And finally, I can, according to my plan, everything's going to work out just fine. And that's the normal way that people think. And it's not all sinful except for this fact. That we must not raise our children simply to be self-sufficient, but we must teach them to be God-sufficient. To be dependent upon God. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. 
Now that we are sufficient of our, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. But our sufficiency is of God. Would you say that? But our sufficiency is of God. God says, I don't want you to live the normal life where you just plan A, plan B, and everything works out. I want you to learn how to trust me. I want you to have the more that only I can give. I want you to look back on your life someday and say, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And I don't know all about how it happened. I just know that God got in the middle of it. Now, how can we live a life that is more than the normal? Well, I believe these types of lives, first of all, are achievable by the grace of God. They are achievable by the grace of God. Now notice, if you would, what the Bible says in verse number 5 once again. He says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Now I want you to recognize that Jeremiah's calling was by the grace of God. It was only by the grace of God that he was called. And I want to just remind you that it is only by the grace of God that we are called. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Notice in your notes, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. If you're going to have a life that is more than normal, it will only be because God works in your life and through your life, and because you are walking in His spirit. It is achievable by the grace of God. Secondly, it is achievable by the power of God. By the power of God. Now come back to the text and look at verse 6. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Now I want you to notice in verse number 7, that Jeremiah is told that he is to go wherever God sends him. And I wonder this morning why we would do less. Look at that in verse 7. He said, Say not that I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. You know, my job and yours every morning is to wake up and say to the Lord, who's the captain of our salvation, Good morning, Lord, Cap uh, private chapel reporting, and I'm here to do whatever you've called me to do. Go wherever you want me to go today, and, and, and I, I can only do it by your power. And this is what God wants us to do. Then secondly, I want you to notice that in this passage, in verse number 8, it says, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Now, Jeremiah, like many soul winners, said to the Lord, Lord, I can't be a witness. I'm too young. I don't know what to say. I'm embarrassed. But God says to him in verse 8, be not afraid of their faces. Now, I've thought about that many times. I thought, man alive, wonder what kind of faces they made. Did Jeremiah get in the town square and they went, ah, to him? I don't know. And I wonder whose face are you afraid of besides don't say anybody in your immediate family or anything. Whose face? Is it a boss at work? Is it someone that you've tried to witness to who's been mean to you before? 
But, but God says, listen, by my power these things are possible. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee. And, and listen, it's time that we stop hoping that some other church or some other state or some other politician will boldly speak out and pray for revival and repent. It's time that right here at Lancaster Baptist Church in this community that we with the power of God get back to soul winning, get back to serving, get back to telling other people the gospel of Jesus Christ and recognize what Hebrews 13, 5 says, that he will never leave us he will never forsake us so that we may boldly say the lord is my helper and it doesn't matter what men will do unto me jesus said lo i am with you always even unto the end of the world amen his presence is promised to us and then his deliverance is promised to us Jeremiah 1.19 says, And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. God says, Hey, I know there's a culture that pulls you, but I've got more than the cultural for you. God says, Hey, I know there's a normal way of thinking that pulls you, but I've got more than the normal for you. And then I want you to see, finally, God has more than the temporal for you. More than just the temporal. Now, notice in verse number 9 again, But the Lord put forth His hand... And touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Now, here we see a man that is dealing with God and that is receiving the eternal from God. The eternal word. We're seeing a man who's beginning to recognize that there's more to life than the temporal. James 4.14 is in your notes. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Life is but a vapor. And isn't it interesting that people that are 7 and 17 and 37 and 77 are still oftentimes involved in acting like this life, the possessions of this life, the jobs of this life, that that's the sum total purpose of our life. But the real purpose of this life is to be laying treasure in store in heaven, living for eternity, Colossians 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on the things which are above. Now for me, uh, there are times when the Lord puts me right in the face of reality concerning the brevity of life. Uh, Sometimes it's because as a pastor, I often preside over funeral services. And you're just mindful at a funeral service. You're reminded of the brevity of life. The brevity of life. This week I went for a physical and everything was fine. But you sit there and they take tests and they run the test and you wait. And they get this little blowtorch with ice and they find little things on your face and they burn it off. And I think they enjoy it too much when they do that. I'm not sure, but... And they test and they let you know how everything is and you wait. And while you wait, you're mindful of the fact of the brevity of life. And yet we train and we push and we live for this life when all the while God says, I have something more I want you to live for the next life. And we say, but if I, if I could just do this and make this and retire this and move there, and whoo, wouldn't that be great? And somewhere along the line, God says, hey, I've got more for you than that. There's something more that you can be doing with your life that will touch all of eternity. One author said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for this present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. In other words, they lived with eternity in mind. And so I want you to recognize there's 
more than the temporal, there is the eternal. Notice if you would in verse 9 again, the Bible says that the Lord put forth His hand and He touched Jeremiah's mouth. Just like in the book of Isaiah, when God touched a heavenly coal, a fiery coal upon Isaiah's lips, God is here touching Jeremiah's mouth, and he's touching him with the eternal word of God. And he's saying, Jeremiah, a lot of people talk about Baal, and they talk about Manasseh and Josiah, and they talk about the events of the day, but I need somebody that'll talk about me. I need somebody that'll talk about my word. And I want to give you an eternal word. A lot of people gossip at the water cooler. A lot of people talk about low things. But I need somebody that will take my eternal word to this generation. Isaiah 55 and verse 10. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word, that, uh, so shall be my word that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall be accomplished that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. That's why we must preach the word of God. That's why every Christian must share the Word of God in this society. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time that some of us stop living for the temporal and started living for the eternal and that we publish and propagate the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have an eternal word from the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 and 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You see, we have an eternal word here, the Bible, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But notice also, we have an eternal work to do, an eternal work. Look at verse 10. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Now, God says, Jeremiah, I want you to go to the countryside, to the cities. I want you to go to the people. And there needs to be a pulling out, a repentance. There needs to be a replanting, a rebuilding the right way. 1 John 2.15 says it this way. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. God says, I want you to do my eternal work with my eternal word. Eric Liddell won the gold medal in the 1924 Olympics. He was a man known for many things. One thing, he was a man known for not running on Sundays. He would not involve himself in athletic events on Sundays. By the way, moms and dad, that's a good policy. Sunday's the Lord's day. There was a day when you couldn't buy a hamburger on a Sunday in the United States of America. Eric Liddell would not run on Sunday. He won his gold medal. He began to have offers in the athletic realm, again, in the business realm. But as a young boy, he had grown up in the family of missionaries to China. I say again, teenagers, thank God that you're growing up in a Christian home. And he realized that there was more for him than the athletic track. Eric Liddell went back to, Jap back to China he began to preach the gospel and he began to go from village to village telling people about Jesus Christ. In 1945, as the Japanese were making their way across China, they found every American and everyone from the United Kingdom and they placed them in prison camps. And Eric Liddell at age 40 was placed into a prison camp. 
But even while he was there, he continued teaching and he continued preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and winning people to Jesus Christ. Finally, at age 42, he had a brain tumor and he became violently ill and shortly thereafter he passed away. And I'm sure there were people in Great Britain who thought, well, why did he do that with his life? What a waste of a life to go to China and to get sick and to die in China. But I believe the moment he opened his eyes and saw the Lord Jesus Christ, he was thankful that he lived for the more and not for the less. He had lived for God. He had lived for the eternal. He wrote... As Christians, I challenge you, have a great aim, have a high standard, make Jesus your goal, your ideal, make Him an ideal not merely to be admired, but also to be followed. You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you're interested in watching Pastor Chapel preach live during a Lancaster Baptist Church service, you can now log on to lbclive.tv Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. Visit lancasterbaptist.org for a list of times and other services. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chapel serves as a pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chapel's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today where you can listen to today's entire message, become a partner in the Word, and sign up for Pastor Chapel's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at paulchapel.com. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.